2: What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the program. On this episode, we're going to check out those court documents that we were talking about in an earlier episode. Well, they've now hit the docket. So let's just dive right in without any commentary, and then we'll have some episodes to go through and provide some context afterwards. The first filing is the objection to motion to appeal, amend, End or clarify the non dissemination order, State of Idaho, Plaintiff versus Brian Koberger, the Defendant, and this was filed by Ann C. Taylor, the public defender, who is representing Brian Koberger. Comes now, Brian C. Koberger, by and through their attorney, Jay Weston Lo- uh, Logsden, Chief Deputy Litigation and hereby objects to the motion to appeal, amend, and or clarify the non-dissemination order filed by Shannon Gray as counsel for the Gonsalves family. This objection is made on the grounds that the non-dissemination order properly requires Mr. Gray to abide by the clear requirement of the ethical rules of this state. The argument. 1. The court's order is not violative of Mr. Gray's First Amendment rights. In his memorandum in support of motion for appeal and or clarification of amended non-dissemination order, hereafter memorandum, Mr. Gray contends that because his clients, the Gonsalves family, are classified as non-party citizens, application of the court's non-dissemination order to him constitutes a prior restraint on his right to free speech under the First Amendment. In support of his position, Mr. Gray cites the fair trial and public disclosure provision of the ABA Standard for Criminal Justice, IRPC 3.6, as well as the president established under Shepard v. Maxwell 384, U.S. 333-1966, Nebraska Press Association v. Stewart 427, U.S. 539-1976, and Gentile v. State Bar of Nevada, 501, U.S. 1030, 1991. The issue at hand may be summarized as follows. Whether application of non-dissemination order to an attorney representing the family of an alleged murder victim constitutes an intolerable prior restraint on speech. The First Amendment prohibits law abridging the freedom of speech, while the 6 guarantees to the criminal defendant the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury occasionally in conflict where a protected pretrial expression threatens the impartiality of the jury the united states supreme court has determined certain parties first amendment rights may be limited when exercise of those rights would result in prejudice to the defendant noting with his life at stake it is not requiring too much that the defendant be tried in an atmosphere undisturbed by so huge a wave of public passion. Shepard, 384, U.S. at 351. Quoting Irvin versus Dowd, 266, U.S. 717-728-1961. As a means of reducing the appearance of prejudicial material and to protect the jury from outside influence. A trial court may prescribe extrajudicial statements by any lawyer, party, witness, or court official, and may also promulgate a regulation with respect to dissemination of information, of information, about the case. Shepard, 384, U.S., at 358-62. In either case, the cure lies in those remedial measures that will prevent the prejudice at its inception. ID 384, U.S., at 363. Objection to motion to appeal, amend, and or clarify non-dissemination order. One such measure is at issue here. As in Stewart, this court is presented with a confrontation between prior restraint imposed to protect one vital constitutional guarantee and the explicit command of another that the freedom to speak shall not be abridged. Stewart, 427, U.S., at 570. Unlike in Stewart, however, the regulation at issue is is as to an attorney who may be subjected to greater limitations than could be imposed on the press, as the Supreme Court noted in Shepard. The courts must take steps by rule and regulation that will protect their processes from prejudicial outside interferences. Neither prosecutors, counsel for the defense, The accused, witnesses, court staff, nor enforcement officers coming under the jurisdiction of the court should be permitted to frustrate its function. Collaboration between counsel and the press as to information affecting fairness of a criminal trial is not only subject to regulation, but is highly censurable and worthy of disciplinary measures. Shepard 384, U.S. 363 this holding was expressly upheld in Gentile, wherein the Supreme Court found the speech of the lawyer representing clients in pending cases may be regulated under a less demanding standard than that established for regulation of the press in Stewart and the cases which preceded it. Lawyers representing clients in pending cases are key participants in the criminal justice system, and the state may demand some adherence to the precepts of the system. In regulating their speech as well as their conduct. Gentile, 501, U.S., at 1074. In an attempt to exclude himself from these holdings, Mr. Gray argues that because his clients are not parties to the case and therefore are not subject to the order, see Memorandum, page 3, section 6 through 8, he too is due an equal measure of deference and exclusion. The weight of authority is contrary to his position. In Idaho State Bar v. Tap 129, Idaho 414, 925, page 2D, 1113, 1996, the Idaho Supreme Court made clear that courts must strike a reasonable balance between the right of free speech and the state's legitimate interests in preserving the integrity of its judicial system. Tap 129, Idaho, at 417, 925, P period 2D at 1,116. In reaching this conclusion, the TAP court relied upon the genteel decision, which in the court's words balanced the state's interests in assuring fair trials against the free speech interests of attorneys. Thus, a case-associated speaker's status as a lawyer alters the degree to which their speech is protected. This lawyer versus non-lawyer distinction is recognized broadly elsewhere, even in cases where the Speaker attorney claims not to be involved with the case in question. In Good 821 F3D 553, Fifth Circuit 2016, the Fifth Circuit of Appeals considered whether an attorney who routinely communicated with and occasionally passed notes to the defense could be sanctioned for violation of a non-dissemination order and the Louisiana criminal trial publicity rule because he was not a lawyer associated with the defense or trial participant. Appli- application to whom good argued the local rule was limited. Good A21 F3D at 557. Rejecting goods argument The court relied upon Gentile's own language that, because associated lawyers have special access to information through discovery and client communications, their extrajudicial statements pose a threat to the fairness of a pending proceeding, since lawyer's statements are likely to be received as especially authoritative. 821 F3D at 560, quoting Gentile, 501 U.S. at 1074. Similar holdings have been reached across the circuit courts. Mezabov v. Allen, 411, F3D, 712, Sixth Circuit Court, 2005. In Morrissey, 168, F3D, 134, Fourth Circuit, 1999. Burner v. Delhonte, 129, F3D, 20, First Circuit. U.S. v. Cutler, 58, F3D, 825, Second Circuit, 1995. Zal v. Stepp, 968 F3D 924, Ninth Circuit, 1992. Further, the 11th and Second Circuit courts have interpreted the heavy presumption against constitutionality described in Stewart as being unique to prior restraints directed to the press and suggested the Supreme Court's Shepherd holding as suggesting a restrictive order limiting extrajudicial commentary of trial participants as an alternative to a prior restraint on the media. The News Journal Corporation versus Foxman 939 F2F 1499 1512-13 11th uh, Circuit Court of Appeals 1991. Emphasis in the original. See also ZAL 968 F2D at 928. Lawyers representing clients in pending cases may be regulated under a less demanding standard than that established for regulation of the press. Quoting Gentile 501 U.S. at 1074, As in good, Mr. Gray has special access to information via his clients. Dissemination of information forbidden by the court order would be deemed authoritative as a result of this access and Mr. Gray's status as an attorney, and therefore would endanger the jury's impartiality. The court's exemption of Mr. Gray's clients from its order effectively answers Mr. Gray's First Amendment concerns, while its continued application to him accounts for his apparent authority and special access to facts. Part 2. IRPC 3.6 is not fashionably vague nor vague as applied to Mr. Gray's circumstances. Mr. Gray argues that even if the court may order him not to disseminate information to the press because the court's order mirrors the language of IRPC 3.6, it is vague on its face and applied to his circumstances. First, IRPC 3.6 is in no way vague on its face. Mr. Gray's argument on this point is premised on faulty understanding and misreading of the genteel holding. In Genteel, the Supreme Court expressly stated, we are not called upon to determine the constitutionality of ABA Model Rule 3.6, 1981, but only Rule 117, as it has been interpreted and applied by the state of Nevada. Genteel 501, U.S., at 1036, emphasis added. Moreover, the Supreme Court held nothing inherent in Nevada's formulation of the trial publicity rule, fails First Amendment review, but, as this case demonstrates, Rule 117 has not been interpreted in conformance with those principles by the Nevada Supreme Court, ID 501, U.S. at 1037. Mr. Gray's assertion that the genteel court held that the wording of Rules 3.6 and 3.8 was unconstitutionally vague is simply wrong. Because Gentile only found that Nevada's rule was unconstitutional as applied, that decision does not mandate a similar finding when evaluating IRPC 3.6. To the contrary, the Supreme Court's express findings that nothing inherent in Nevada's rule failed First Amendment review indicates that the same conclusion is appropriate with regard to IRPC 3.6 which, as Mr. Gray himself states, is similar in wording to ABA Rule 3.6. Mr. Gray's argument that IRPC 3.6 is unconstitutionally vague as applied to his own circumstances is also faulty. In Gentile, the Supreme Court found that one central point must dominate the court-as-applied-vagueness analysis. This case involves political speech. At issue here is the constitutionality of a ban on political speech critical of the government and its officials. Gentile 501, U.S., at 1034. While it is true that Mr. Gray and the Gonsalves family have criticized the police in this matter in the past, since Mr. Koberger's arrest, their statements have been focused on him. See, E.G. King 5, father of Idaho murder victim, says Koberger was overwhelmed in court. January 6, 2023. Additionally, at issue, in Gentile, as the confusion created by the Safe Harbor Exception for statements by the defense about the defense. ID at 10048. Mr. Gray has essentially agreed his client is not a real party to this action and has nothing similar to a defendant's interest in sharing their defense with the press. Thus, the vagueness found in Gentile in opposite to his concerns. Part 3. As an attorney, Mr. Gray cannot claim various exemption from the rules of professional conduct and is therefore bound by IRPC 3.6. Finally, Mr. Gray asserts that he is allowed to relay to the media any of the opinions, views, or statements of those family members regarding any part of the case regardless of the rules of professional conduct because it would place an undue burden on the victim's families if the attorney, whom they have retained to represent their interests, was prohibited from serving as their spokesperson to the media and other parties in transmitting the victim's family's thoughts and opinions. The assertion of vicarious exemption from the rules of professional conduct is plainly baseless. Besides, Being entirely inconsistent with the above-provided precedent, Mr. Gray's position on this issue is contrary to the long-held acknowledgment that, even outside the courtroom, lawyers in pending cases are subject to ethical restrictions on speech, which an ordinary citizen would not be. Idaho 501, U.S. at 1071, citing Sawyer 360, U.S. 622, 1959. Such has always been the case, as membership in the bar is a privilege burdened with conditions. 3rd versus United States, 354 U.S. 728-281-1957 Quoting in Rouse, 221 New York, 8184-116 N.E. 782-783-1917 Mr. Gray's representation of the Gonsalves family does not entitle him to the degree of freedom of speech they enjoy as ordinary citizens. Further, Mr. Gray makes clear that, if his motion is granted, he will comment on the case and other issues surrounding the investigation, pursuant to Rule 3.6. What portion of Rule 3.6 Mr. Gray invokes here is an open question. Insofar as the rule addresses Mr. Gray's intended subject matter, it expressly identifies it as a subject more likely than not to have material prejudicial effect on a proceeding, particularly when they refer to a criminal matter or any other proceeding that could result in incarceration. IRPC 3.6, comment 5, indeed. The rule notes that criminal jury trials will be more sensitive to extrajudicial speech. IRPC 3.6, comment number 6. Mr. Gray argues he will not be offering up his own opinion regarding the facts surrounding the case, but rather only serving as his client's spokesperson, conduit, to the media and other parties in transmitting the, the victim's family's thoughts and opinions. Far from mitigating the already tenuous nature of, the, of his argument, this signal of intent again places Mr. Gray at odds with Rule 3.6 and genteel. The court has already exempted Mr. Gray's clients from its order, adequately preserving their First Amendment rights. To extend this, accept- this exemption to Mr. Gray would function solely to grant potentially prejudicial statements, the weight recognized as a danger by the genteel court on a subject the rule distinguishes as already extremely susceptible to prejudice. If Mr. Gray truly intends only to voice his client's thoughts and opinions, then the court's previous exemption has already cured the supposed First Amendment infirmity. Mr. Mr. Gray's clients may voice these thoughts and opinions themselves, as they have clearly been doing. The sole effect of maintaining the court's order in present form is the continued operation of remedial measure that prevents prejudice at its inception. Mr. Gray is bound by the rules of professional conduct, and the First Amendment does not excuse him from this obligation. Genteel, 501, U.S., at 1081, dated this day of February 8th, and signed by Ann Taylor and J. Weston Lodgston, who is the Chief Deputy Litigation Attorney. All right, folks, well, that's going to do it for the objection to motion to appeal, amend, and or clarify the non-dissemination order. All of the information that goes with this episode can be found in the description box.
0: Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
1: What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission?